Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Bald, Bold, and Gold. Somehow, someway, we are in the back half of November. The college football season's almost over. The Irish fate is essentially out of their hands. So we talk about what needs to happen in order for us to see the Irish to return to the playoff. Of course, we discuss what happened elsewhere around the country, talk about the dominating 28-3 win over Virginia, and... With Senior Day coming up this Saturday, we talk about our favorite moments of this historic senior class, essentially the ones that brought Notre Dame back before previewing Georgia Tech and Stanford. All right, let's get started. We kind of just mentioned this. Welcome back, everyone. It is Tuesday, which means college football rankings just came out. And honestly, we're not that upset, at least as much as we have been the last two weeks. Yeah, there wasn't really there wasn't really anything to get upset about. Um, like Michigan being above Michigan State is still weird. Michigan being up there at all is still what upsets me. But that's that's all news this week. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of chalk. Yeah, I think the only thing that um, there's nothing to raise hell about this week. I, again, I'm with Ian. I still don't love Michigan being as high as they are because I don't necessarily think that beating Penn State and it should be considered a quality win anymore. Um, you, you know, Sean, Sean Clifford took you to the brink uh, and he barely could walk. So, uh, but outside of that, I just, I was a little surprised by how many ACC teams were there, right? So Wake Forest is there, Pitt's there, and NC State are all there. Um, and I just don't know how good those teams are. Like Wake's good. Like they're all good. I just don't know if they're better than the teams they're ahead of. And then the only other one is that uh, they threw they threw Cincinnati a bone this week this week and put Houston uh, in the top twenty five. Uh, also, Wisconsin's up. We have a top fifteen win. So yep, in a neutral site. What did they What did they end up at? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. Was Michigan's win over Wisconsin on the road or at home? At home, I think. Interesting. No, 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 no. That was no. Penn State was in. Yeah, Penn State was in Madison. Michigan beat them in Ann Arbor. You were right, Slav. Yep. Yeah. So once again, makes me question why is Michigan ranked above Notre Dame? I mean, they have the same best win. Neither game was particularly close, honestly. Um, I mean, yeah, they were both close through the first half, but, you know, they ended very similar results. Notre Dame did win by more. Notre Dame's loss is to a higher-ranked team. Um, it just kind of makes me question, like, what has Michigan done other than, like, the media attention being on national TV and the whole Harbaugh love fest, which I still don't get. Like, that guy, just seeing him wearing football gloves on the sideline on Saturday just pissed me off. Did you see? What he, did you see what he did to Molly McGrath for yeah. now the second time in three weeks? So mm-hmm. this is now the second time in three weeks Molly McGrath's been trying to get an interview with him. She tried to do it for during the Nebraska game. She he blew her off completely, ran right off the field, just did not even stop with her. This time stopped with her, gave her maybe fifteen seconds, and then pulled it pulled in Alt, the kid who had the tight end, and like gave Alt the interview. She there's a TikTok. I'll send it to you guys um, from Unnecessary Roughness. The side eye that she gives John, she hates John Harbaugh. She might hate John Har- Harbaugh more than we hate him. She cannot she stand it seems, him. It seems like he's oh total, not great di- to di- total dickhead move. It doesn't take a whole lot to just do the interview, right? Like you're the winning coach. Yeah. She's not going to ask you anything hard hitting, right? Like that's a part of your job. It's part of yes, your job as a as a Michigan coach to at least give them thirty seconds. Every coach does it. Yeah, that's not someone I would want my son playing for. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like uh, a lot of families are making that decision though, when they're t- picking between Jim Harbaugh and Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. Their recruiting class, not good. Ours, very good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I guess since the last time we recorded, we had another big win on the on the recruiting trail. 
We had a win and a loss. Uh, we did have we a lot. We got Emil Wagner, which is really, really good stuff. Uh, that was a really hard-fought battle with with Ohio State. And then who's his brother? His brother's on the Kentucky staff, right? Yeah, yeah. his, his so, brother's like a graduate assistant or something at Kentucky. Yeah, so we beat out the hometown favorite in Ohio, and then the familial tie to Kentucky. He still came to Notre Dame. I think that's really, really big. He he's pretty good. Um, I think, unfortunately, um, just given the uh, how how good of a player he is, the, we probably had a bigger loss than we did have a win, given that Sonny Styles uh, ended up going to Ohio State, uh, which is a tough pill to swallow. Um, I, I don't know if he's necessarily in the Will Shipley category, but uh, yeah, I was uh, I was I was somewhat disappointed in that, especially given uh, given I heard he had a pretty good night in South Bend and. Uh, and his brother Lorenzo plays for the football team. So, I'm 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 switching to Lorenzo's the better brother. Yep, I'm all aboard that train. All mm-hmm. aboard. I mean, if this, you know, you brought up the Will Shipley situation. Obviously, that kind of sucked. Like losing number one running back in the nation. Sonny's the number one linebacker slash safety, whatever you want to call him. But. If it ends up like the Shipley situation, like I am not worried about the future of the running back position at Notre Dame after no. watching Logan Diggs and knowing that we have SMA another three years of Tyree if we want him. Like if that's how we're set at linebacker, even after losing Sonny Styles, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that, <clears throat> I'm okay with it too, and I think you make a good point there. I just think it would be um, he's probably the closest that you're going to get to. Uh, a woo again, a Jeremiah Usukorma from a, from a body standpoint and from a skill set standpoint, and you know how dynamic he was. Obviously we're still pretty good defense without, you know, woo, but it, he definitely, definitely wouldn't have hurt. So um, I don't think we have to dwell on it too much more. Uh, it is what it is, but you know, this recruiting yeah. class is, is a lot is, is getting really, is really, really, really good. And we might have some more, some more dominoes fall late in the class. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, sure you know. God, oh, no, I was saying, you know, signing day. I, I think we should talk about that. You know, just kind of focus around that, around the signing day bowl game when there's less Definitely. news. I, I was going to change subjects. Ian, do you have one more thing to say about the recruits? No, more so about the youth on the roster already. Um, but we'll get to that when we talk about the game. We definitely got to that. That's on the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was talking, you know, while we were on the topic of – you know, having a great linebacking core, having a great defense. Uh, there's one more game I really – you know, it was a pretty boring week in college football. One game I wanted to hit on was uh, Georgia took a scare for about all of 10 minutes against Tennessee, mm-hmm. and then their defense just throat-punched them the rest of the game. I mean, that their defense is something special. Yeah. Yeah, that was their toughest test so far, and it looked like nothing. It, it was not a test. Test is not yeah. the right word. Um, they quit playing around, as you said, 10 minutes after, and it was not a contest. Yeah, I, I, you could – ten. the game is 10-10, and I was like, oh, this could be – yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, they, if this kept going for a little bit, especially given the game is in Knoxville. You know, once you hang in early, you, know, you get a little more confidence, and, and, and Georgia completely shut them down. Um, that defense – I don't really have words for how good that defense is. I think Hendon Hooker is pretty good. I think mm-hmm. Josh Heupel has a pretty good playbook in there for Hendon Hooker and just did not have an answer for anything George wanted to do. I mean, they have I, – maybe I maybe mentioned this to Sean. Maybe I mentioned to you guys. forgot to mention to you guys. But they got, they, got, they got 13 or 14 NFL players for 11 spots on defense, right? Like they got 13 or 14 guys that might get drafted uh, for, for 11 spots on defense. So, you know, I can't really blame Tennessee too much for that. Uh, I think it's far more reflex, reflective of, of what George is able to put on that side of the really ball. support socialism, except when it comes to draft picks, having NFL talent <laughs> across yeah, college yeah. football. Georgia can share the wealth a little bit. Kind of yeah. absurd. Um, another game I wanted to mention that while we were here. So I think to like so I think Georgia, Bam, and Ohio State all won in blowouts, uh, which was which was not surprising. Uh, Michigan played that tight game with, with 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 Penn State and then Cincinnati and Michigan State. Uh, I think the score is probably a little uh, the score is probably say it was a little closer than it actually was. I think the, the, those teams both played pretty well. 
But how about Oklahoma going down uh, in Waco? I I watched almost all of that game. Uh, I was able – it was just me me and Maddie this weekend, so we had all three TVs up in the living room. Uh, It was a – that was a really, really fun game. Uh, Baylor played really, really well. And Jerry Bohannon – we had the good Jerry Bohannon on Saturday, which was great. Uh, we I wasn't able to watch that, um, and we'll get into why I wasn't able to watch that. But um, that one, for some reason, wasn't surprising to me. I just like I kind of expect them to lose, um, and, I, and I didn't even think it would be in the way of Caleb Williams not really having a good performance. But it was just Oklahoma, Texas is worse than we thought they were. Um, Way worse. And, and Oklahoma just hadn't really played anybody. Like, it's not shocking to me that they lost. Similar in the way that, like, it wasn't shocking that Wake Forest lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. There's – go ahead. Candy. No, no, okay. You go. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say that, you know, Oklahoma, in past years, when they've made their playoff runs, there's always been, you know, they have a Heisman candidate on offense. You know, their offense is playoff good, which – Many times it has been. There has not been that feeling around Oklahoma this year. And you, you, we saw it through the committee ranking them towards the back end of the top 10, even though they were undefeated. You know, they weren't 70 piecing teams. You know, they struggled against Kansas. Yeah, I agree. It almost felt inevitable that they would lose. It was just a matter of when and how. Mm-hmm. You no, know, the Big 10, Big 12, sorry, could be done. But we'll see. I think they, you know, they have one shot, and it's Oklahoma State that'll have a pretty tough path. Yeah, uh, Kennedy Kennedy Brooks struggled. They, they, Oklahoma really struggled to get the running game going, and when, and when both Kennedy Brooks and, and Caleb Williams struggle on the ground, that offense doesn't really have a whole lot of answers. They get they get behind the sticks and are forced to throw the ball. And Caleb Williams, while he played really well against Texas, um, I think, and in other games, I think most of what he did that was spectacular was with his feet, not necessarily with his arm yet. Um, so, and they they try to bring in Spencer Rattler, and it was pitiful. Uh, the effort that we got from Spencer Rattler, it was no answer. They went back to Caleb Williams. So uh, I wasn't too upset about that. Uh, other things that I think are worth mentioning in college football this week, before we get to frauds of the week, first is the flu. Um, it hit, yeah. it hit, it's hit, it's hit Florida state. It hit, uh, it hit Florida. It hit Notre Dame last week. It's uh, the CDC is actually on campus in Ann Arbor because so many kids got it. Um, and it's hitting them now too. This flu is hitting everybody around the country right now, uh, knocking guys out for games and, and missing practice. We had we had Drew and Myron miss the game, but BK set up the 13 guys that were symptomatic on, on Saturday. Like, that's a lot. That is a lot. That's kind of, like, scary, you know, given the last 18-plus months that we've seen. <laughs> um, just a whole new – you know, viral strain of the flu. You know, hopefully it's just the flu. Obviously we haven't heard of any players getting like really sick and that's important, but I mean, yeah, 13 guys out. I assume it was 13 pretty crucial guys. I mean, you're talking two of your captains right up the middle on defense against, you know, one of the top offenses in the country. Like, yeah, it's scary, but the guys stepped up. I think we weren't a Florida or Florida state, the team that, you know, just blows it. It kind of ruins your season. If you listen to Inside the Garage this week, it's actually an issue because they kind of they kind of touch on it. Where I don't think Cam Hart practiced on Wednesday or Thursday this week. Like uh, that that doesn't surprise me. He didn't look Cam Hartish. Yeah, um, I agree. But it, it's not even a Midwest issue. Like I know Florida State had a big issue with it. Right, exactly. Uh, it's all over the country. Yeah, which yeah, I mean, and the, yeah, guys stepped up. We'll we'll talk about it. And then the other thing I want to touch on before we get to Friday of the week and before we move on to the game. Uh, uh, Jimmy Lake and Justin Fuente both without jobs uh, as of as of today. Uh, I guess Jimmy Lake was earlier earlier in the week, but they are both gone. Uh, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this. So as of now, these are the major jobs that are open: uh, LSU, USC, Washington, Virginia Tech, TCU, and Washington State. I would have to imagine that Penn, you can add Penn State to that list. Um, because I think really? that's going to open. I think that's going to open up I, mostly because I think James Franklin is going to take a different one. Um, okay. Probably USC, to be honest. But um, mm-hmm. it, so I think we can exclude LSU from this question because I think LSU is the best shot. Oh, yeah. Right I, I think that's okay. So after Slightly. LSU, okay. I, 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 I think I think up there. 
well, I think I because I think there's another. I think there's tiers to it, right? Like I think LSU is the tier one job, and then I think that um, that US, like I think you could put Washington, USC, Tech, and TCU all in a similar boat as well. Um, which which of those jobs do you think it's USC? Is the yeah, I, I, I think there would be tier one then either at the bottom of tier one or in its own tier would be USC. I don't like yeah. USC is a lot different than a TCU. Yeah. Like you're so you're downtown I LA, so you know, you have national championships, Heisman winners, all the tradition, you know, the girls in their white sweaters. That's my favorite cheerleading outfit in all the country. But uh, I, I think USC, you know, they have money. It's a little different than a TCU. I, I think that right. the other three you mentioned would be in that next tier, but I, I do agree. It goes LSU, then USC, then those other three. Okay, so then can we take a look at those? And I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Uh, I think I think you make a good point. Then can we look at the next tier, the, those three jobs that are open right now, Washington, Virginia Tech, and TCU. Which one is the most attractive? Which is the one you would take? Why would you take it? I think I'd probably take TCU. Actually... Knowing where the Big 12's headed, um, yeah, there's arguments to each. Like, going to the Pac-12 is tough just because half the country doesn't see you play. Um, it, it, and it's you're recruiting against USC and all the California schools and everybody else in the country is trying to get California talent. Um, so I think Washington's a tough job. There are some upsides to it. But TCU, if you step into that job and you get the right funding – you do have the opportunity to become the cream of the crop of the big 12. Yeah. That's, that's why my answer is TCU. I think you're in, in a really rich recruiting area in, uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, you have access to the whole state of Texas and obviously the, the, the big 12 should be a little bit more open now, now that Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Texas are gone. And I still think like this, this weekend may or may not be a, be a watershed weekend, but like this weekend did prove that they're, you know, that Oklahoma and Texas are not world beaters. Uh, you know, they, they can be beat and, and this league may be able to survive without them. Um, obviously, obviously they're still the biggest brand names, but like they would play pretty well. Oklahoma state looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that this, I think this week, this, this, this week was helpful for that league and that they, they show that they'll still be able to remain competitive and place teams. Uh, in major bowl games and, and the top of the rankings uh, without issue. I think, it'll, I think it'll be on them going forward to to make sure that they schedule big out-of-conference games to do that. But um, I think this week was big for that, and that's kind of why I land on TCU. Um, but Washington, Washington could be a good one too, I guess. I don't really think BT is a no. – should be, but it, as of late, man, they don't they don't get the funding. They don't have – they don't necessarily have the facilities that you need, and they're a pretty uh, – pretty not rich recruiting ground uh, in Western Virginia and uh, not West Virginia, Western Virginia. Uh, so I, I, think, I think that's the right list. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there are all, you know, B to B plus jobs that we're looking at here. And I, I agree with you. I think TCU is the easiest place to win. All you need to do is hit on like four or five guys in Texas. I mean, they're the only, I, I guess, school like in Dallas, if they could, you know, start putting more, roots down into the high schools in Dallas and just focus on that. I guess they're Fort Worth tech, technically, but you know, it's same thing, but if they focus on just getting guys from there, I mean, you could build an entire roster from dudes just from one city and that's what yeah, they can do. That, like if you're Wisconsin, you can't do that in Seattle. If you're Virginia tech, you certainly can't do that in the Hills of Virginia. Like yeah, the advantages are just easier. Tell me why Tanner Mordecai couldn't be playing for TCU instead of playing for SMU. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, all right, we, we can move on from that. I just thought that I was an interesting thought experiment given that those jobs are, are, are open and could be filled pretty soon. Uh, I think this, this coaching carousel should be pretty fun. Rock chalk. Rock chalk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're here. We're here from here on out. <laughs> yes, sir. And we, and we have been, we have been there. For a while. Down, baby. Um, uh, fellas, do you have a thought of the week for me? I do. And I, I'm going to refer to Jimmy Lake, who I guess is pretty topical right now, given he was just canned, is just the 10-game or the 10-day stretch he had where you're facing your one of your biggest rivals, probably football-wise your biggest rival in Oregon. You rip on their academics, get beat, <laughs> shove a player in the process, 
and I don't know if it was the player the same week. I don't even know. But you shove one of your players, and then you get canned. And this is a guy who came in talking, you know, a lot of shit. When you're talking shit to your rival who's ranked number three in the country, has a win over Ohio State, has a path to the playoff, and you're pulling shit like that, like, you're just kind of a fraud, then you lose your job. I got to give it to Jimmy Lake. He deserves this one. That's a good one. That's a good one. He'll land on his feet somehow, but, uh, yeah, he did nothing in his short stint at Washington. I think he'll get a call for a DC job. But, yeah. Um, Ian, do you want me to go or you want to go? Um, I'll go because it's a little bit of a switch up. I wasn't able to watch the Baylor Oklahoma game because I was participating in a Turkey Bowl competition here in Chicago. Um, I played for the Terzai Turkeys. So my fraud of the week <laughs> is the Terzai Turkeys offensive line. More so, the fraud of the week is our GM not putting together an offensive line because we did not read I the heard. book. We showed up with eight skill position players, not <laughs> no bodies in the trenches, and the rest of the competition showed up with D-lines, and we could not protect the quarterback. We switched off, but each and every one of us that stepped up on the line got absolutely manhandled, thrown around, um, and nobody was walking right for the next couple of days. So the Thursday Turkeys offensive line is my Bishop's Six Four part of the week. I heard. I saw a picture of you absolutely caked in mud i also heard that <laughs> i may be getting an all expenses paid trip to chicago we uh, need next, something next year <laughs> we, something. <laughs> we will so, gladly chip in for that i would i heard so i was th- felton felton text me about it he's like dude like we're gonna need you next year i was like oh my god i'd be happy to play or whatever i thought it was gonna be like notre dame flag football offensive line right where you're like no. you can't you can't it use your hands full contact. it is full and contact. I, heard it was, I heard it was full contact i was like let's go like <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do it um i'm never gonna give tosh baker shit ever again <laughs> got a hard job <laughs> my uh my fraud of the week my fraud of the week is i'm not even actually gonna say the texas coaching staff i'm gonna say the texas players um have a little pride yeah. and maybe try not to lose to Kansas at home. Also, I really don't like the – like there was that video that came out from the bus um, where the Texas – you know, Texas, one of the Texas assistants yeah. is like chew, chewing them out um, about, you know, if you don't want to be here, you can transfer, like get off the bus or whatever. And they use some obviously pretty aggressive language. Um, but I don't really have a problem with that. My big problem is like the kid who chose to film it and who chose to put it out there, like – I, I think those conversations are usually short, should and, and always should be should remain private between the players and the coaches. Um, and right right there, I don't think he was trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I think it's more of a challenge. And instead of kind of manning up and and taking that challenge head on, you chose to put it on social media and try to expose uh, expose your head coach, expose one of your coaches, which just leads to a pretty toxic environment. I think it's pretty stupid and pretty immature. So I'm going to say that the Texas players. Um, not only did you get beat by one of the worst teams in America, but uh, you're kind of selling your coaches down the river, uh, which which is not not ideal. Yeah, I mean, when you think of a team, it's not just players and and one side and coaches on the other. It's everyone together. Yeah, you know, that almost recording that video makes it almost seem like it's you know they have a little players versus coaches. Which in your first year as head coach, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, not a good sign. No. Mm-mm. No, I mean, his in his defense, they're not his guys, but at the same time, man, like you have a you have a very fractured locker room right now. Uh, so you know, he obviously that that's got to be priority number one uh, because you're not going to win any football games with with your locker room, you know, looking and sounding like that. So um, yeah, they are the Texas Texas football players uh, are my Bishop Sycamore frauds of the week. Uh, okay. You guys want to talk some want to talk some Irish? Yeah, let's talk about what a good culture looks like. Hell yeah. Did you guys watch the icon? Yeah. Yeah, I did watch week? the icon. I, yeah, I, I'm I, not. Fill me in. It, it, it's just, you know, it's kind of the same thing week after week. It's just seeing how excited these guys get for one another. Yeah, especially be. the older guys for the younger guys. And we had a ton of younger guys show out this game. So, yeah. I mean, it's just it's awesome to see. This week. Major story this week is the young guys, um, for sure. I think there's four that kind of stuck out to me immediately. Uh, a, one of A was Logan Diggs, B was Ramon Henderson, C Riley Mills who got the game ball, and D Lorenzo Styles. I thought, and it's not limited to just them, obviously, but 
I thought all four of those guys played really, really good games filling in, uh, filling in for, for older guys. Uh, and that, that even leaves out somebody like Xavier Watts who played a bunch of snaps mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, and in the rotation. Uh, and I don't consider Bo Bauer a young guy anymore, but he, Bo Bauer was phenomenal in place of Drew White this year or this week. Yeah, it's, I agree. Uh, I was uh, so it's it's those young guys, and I, I I watch this game and like especially on the defensive side, but also the offensive side of the ball. Like Kyle Williams is, we've talked about how great of a running back he is, and he's one of the best running backs in the country, and one of the best running backs we've seen play at Notre Dame. And there is not a huge drop off when Logan Diggs comes into the game. I mean, they they, they he's a Kyle Williams is a little more electric, but like vision wise and patience wise. Logan Diggs runs very maturely, which is great to yeah. see. Um, bunch of guys stepped up on the defensive end, young guys. But I was like kind of noticing we have a we're in a great spot, and we were like, I was giving Marcus Freeman a hard time for rotating early in the year, but it's paying dividends now. We're in a great spot where we have a ton of guys who are playing really well. They're not going to be good enough to declare for the draft, so they're going to have to come mm-hmm. back, and we are going to get a lot of experienced guys who have played a lot of snaps back next year with some young guys that are ready to contribute. Um, so, I mean, you can't watch the game on Saturday and not be excited about the future. Yeah. I mean, like guys were almost coming out of nowhere, especially the safety position, which as we you know, mentioned in the last few episodes, we were very worried there. No, it's still not a strength of this team by any means, but when you see a person who moved there like four or five weeks ago, maybe a little longer than that. And Xavier Watts, start making plays. I saw a style on Twitter. He's making a tackle every 3.7 snaps he's on the field. That's The awesome. dude knows how to find the football, whereas Houston Griffith, I think it was like well over 20. Yeah. Xavier you know. Watts wasn't even playing defense until September. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I love seeing the young guys make the most of their opportunities. You know, I know it comes at the expense of a fifth-year senior or someone that, you know, probably is a big, pretty big personality in the locker room, but he makes you excited for the future. Ramon Henderson had a big third down tackle, had the interception, which, I mean, he looked like a DB trying to catch that ball. Don't get me wrong. The ball yeah. just came down square on his face mask. But he the range it. he showed was great. Um, he's someone that kind of struggled at corner earlier in the year. Like, these guys are starting to find their spots, and that's going to pay huge dividends for the next couple of years. Yeah. I thought that was three captains, too. Minus three captains on the defensive Four. side of the ball. No, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Minus three on the defensive side of the ball, and it, nobody missed a beat. Yep. Uh, I will say, it's, it's, I thought this was pretty funny. So, I was like, I listened inside the garage today, and Kyle Hamilton uh, saw – the running backs coach is Taylor, right? So? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saw, saw Taylor in the Goog and was like okay, – I actually walked up to him and goes, you have a problem. And and Taylor knew exactly who he was talking about. He's like, it's a great problem to have. Hamilton meant that he's got a problem and that Logan Diggs looks so damn good that you're going to, that you're going to have to start feeding him more carries, uh, which is a really good problem to have. I, I think that I was frustrated early in the game. I don't think the offensive line dominated the same way they had been the past few weeks. Um, that was pretty frustrating, um, especially because I really wanted for the sake, for Kyron's sake, I wanted him to keep breaking a hundred yards. He only got to 70 this week, which was a little frustrating, um, but you know, I think they got better as the game went on, and and Logan Diggs played really, really well. So that that was good to get good to see. They did go over 200 yards total. It was just pretty frustrating to not see to see them struggle early as an offensive line. That seemed uh, like that shouldn't have been happening against what I kind of chalked up as a pretty bad defensive line. I'll let you guys get out any more positives that you have because there were definitely negatives um, that we that we texted about, um, and I think it started with. Letting the clock run out with a minute and a half left in the half. Let's come back to that. Let's come back to that. Get out the positives. I got two more uh, positives. I got. I just our really defense. wish Lorenzo Styles scored. Sorry. Me too. No, me too. Yeah. That was Colsey's fault. He didn't have to hold. hold. He didn't have to it hold. Dog hold didn't need to hold. Um, yeah. I wanted Styles to score as well. Um, my two my two big ones were I thought the defensive line was outstanding. Uh, our defensive line was really good. Again, you know, Sands Myron. Um, I guess our front seven entirely, but Sands, Myron, and Drew, I thought our defensive line and linebackers played really well, ended up with seven sacks, and we had two picks. Um, So, obviously, our havoc rate was pretty good this week. Uh, And then, welcome back, Michael Mayer. Um, Yeah, 
we we kind of talked about it last week because we, we wanted to see him be a bigger part of this offense this week because we felt like he'd kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, and Tommy Reese's ears must have been ringing because he did just that. Um, he started feeding 87 the ball again, and, and he looked he looked unstoppable. The one catch he made where he caught it against the, you know, getting face guarded by that kid down the far sideline was an unbelievable catch. Yeah. Once again, a play I missed because I was in the big playroom. But you're welcome, Notre Dame fans. Mm-hmm. All right. On, on to the negatives. Uh, Ian, you want to kick us off here? Yeah. Um, did, did not think it'd be that much of an issue. It's still just annoying. But when you're dominating the game, but what was the score that time? It was 21 nothing halftime? Yep. Yeah. In college football, it's no game's over ever, especially when you're battling for a playoff spot. There's no reason to take your foot off the gas. Um, you're the better team. It's not like you're you're scared about being dominated. You're the better team. When you get the ball with a minute and a half left and a couple timeouts, you should try to get at least three points on the board, especially when you rip off a couple decently chunk plays in the first, first couple plays of the drive. Then you realize you might have something going. Brian Kelly, for some reason, took his foot off the gas, and that was like a mentality switch that carried over in the second half, I thought. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, yeah, it did carry over the second half. I mean, we came out pretty damn flat to mm-hmm. start the second half. You know, they made adjustments to Cone. Once again, that's where I'd like to see us be a little more versatile. Maybe start the half with Buckner now. He got you know, a good amount of reps this game, more than the last couple. But still, I'd like to see us switch it up a bit more, maybe, you know, throw a counterpunch. You know, they're obviously going to try to take away the things that were working for us in the first half, and it just took us an extra quarter to adjust in the second half. I mean, there's not a lot to be pissed about this game, but I I agree with you. Some of the coaching decisions, especially like time, like the time management and coming out flat, that's kind of on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my – I three – I think D's right. I don't think there's a whole lot to be – upset about but i do think there are some specific instances uh that that i had issues with i think that the offensive line early in the game i, I was kind of like what you know what the hell is going on and, and the flu the flu bug might explain that right like if, like if that room had gotten hit by the by the flu bug earlier this week still you know everybody still get to play but uh that that could, could kind of explain that i would hope that they they answer answer the bell here for the next two weeks and get kyron and logan digs a bunch of yards um, the second is I couldn't agree more. I was really, really frustrated with how we ended the half. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it was because of the flu thing and, 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 you know, for fear of injury, but like you had the chance to deliver the kill shot with, mm-hmm. with one thirty ish left on the clock, a real chance to answer to, to deliver the kill shot. Uh, and you just didn't do it. You sat on it even after picking up a first down on the first play from scrimmage, which was, which was really, really frustrating. I was pretty angry. Uh, I know we all were, we all voiced that to each other. And then my, my last one, my, my last big issue was um, the fourth and one call on the first oh, drive. It was the first drive. Gosh. First drive. First drive. Where we chose to sneak it with Jack Cohn, who is a fine athlete himself. And I actually don't mind it in like a fourth and inches type spot. But a long one. one. That was a it was long, a long one. one. It was a long one. What? Hand the ball to your to, to Mr. Kyron Williams and let him do his thing. Um, and I almost – I think we were all about to melt down when Kelly was ready to kick the field goal on the next drive. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness he called a timeout, rethought it, and uh, and went for it. But, yeah, yeah, that first drive, that QB sneak was Tommy Reese. You know, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, I do want to talk a little Buckner as well. Yeah. Um he did get a lot more reps this game. Kelly still hasn't figured out how exactly he wants to use them, use him, and I think it affects Buckner because he comes out there and he's kind of expected to, and I think he expects himself to bust a big play no, like no matter what and do whatever he can to, to break a big play, and it's led to some like kind of bonehead turnovers, which we had another one today. He just doesn't look comfortable, and I don't think Kelly's kind of made him comfortable yet, but I mean – not a huge concern yet, um, but he looks, you know, 18 out there, which he is. Yeah. I honestly, I think the solution comes with reps. I mean, that's a mesh point handoff that, yep. you know, he, he'll be doing with Logan Diggs hundreds of times over the next couple of years. Get yeah. the fumble out of the way when you're up 28-3 in a game that's over. You know, they had no shot of 
scoring 28 points against us. Bronco Mendenhall, coward. Yeah. What, what are you doing kicking a field goal? I mean, I know you want to get points on the board, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reminds Pretty. me of uh, old Dino Babers, the Syracuse game when yeah. I think we were up 38-0. Yeah. Yeah. That was like also a cowardly field goal. I don't know. I, like, Slev, what do you – if you're on the sideline and you're kicking a field goal there, what's your, what's your thought as a player? Uh, yeah, that's basically mailing in the game, the rest of the game. I'm pretty frustrated, honestly. Uh, I'm, yeah. pretty, I'm pretty frustrated with that. Um, it, you know, it is what it is. I, you know, I guess I don't know because Bronco Mendenhall only had, you know, so much that he could do, right, like – uh, what are you going to do without Brendan Armstrong? Your quarterback's getting killed. Like that kid took a freaking yeah. beating. Like how much more do you want to, do you want to expose him to? Right. Like even, even if you go for it, you pick up this first down and he gets popped two more times on that drive. Like for, for that kid's sake, it might've been worth kicking a field goal. I don't know. Uh, cowardly, but I, I think I could still see it. If that makes sense. No, it does. And, Obviously, Virginia is still technically in the hunt for an AC championship berth, yeah? Yeah, I was just about to say, that was the last thing I, I kind of had on the notes here, is that uh, we are Virginia fans from here on out. Uh, mm-hmm. They play Pitt this week. Uh, the spread's a little big. We're not going to touch on that game unless you guys have a lock. But we're not going to touch on that game. Um, but it, we are certainly rooting for Virginia here. Well, we need them to win out. Uh, but if they get – even if they win their division, that's good. But if they were to make it to, make it to Charlotte and play – and play Wake um, and win that football game, that'd be pretty big for us, I think. Yeah. At least knocks one of the other conference champions out of there. Yeah. All right. I mean, we've reached this point in the season. Notre Dame has nine wins. Their two remaining opponents have a combined six. I think it's almost kind of what we expected coming in this season. We didn't expect Georgia Tech to be good. I mean, they're – revamping their entire program after transitioning from the triple option. And David Shaw has honestly just lost it out on the farm at Stanford. Like they are just not even close to what they were five years ago. Um, I think last year on the pod, we actually referenced Georgia tech as the game that will win. It'll be somewhat comfortable that nobody's really going to remember what happened. Uh, do you guys have any huge memories? I remember what Georgia happened. Tech game? Oh yeah. We, Took the knee at the one. <laughs> oh my god, that was oh, that yeah. My, that made my list of most frustrating. Whatever, like our worst moments of the season. I was sitting yeah. at my, I was sitting at my girlfriend's dinner table. We were, and the game was on, like in the background. And I, obviously, there's an important number that we needed to get to, and we didn't <laughs> reach it because we decided to leave the ball on the one. I will. I'm thinking of that game. I'm thinking of that game, right? I yeah, it's the right game. I love Tommy yeah. Reese. That he was on my shit list that day. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Man, that would have been nice. Yeah, I remember I that it, was kind of that was kind of the game that we. It was Halloween. I remember it was that Halloween weekend, but yeah. we had struggled against Louisville. It was kind of the game that we like got going a little bit. Mm-hmm. We got some deep. I think we had a special teams touchdown from Foskey. Or am I wrong in that? I think that was against Pitt. Because Georgia Pitt. Tech yeah, had okay. got Presley Harvin. Who's now, I think, the punter for the Steelers? Oh yeah, just yeah, a yeah, huge chubby dude who just nukes punts. Yep. So, no, but we, I remember us. We kind of it was in hand, which is why we took a knee at the one um, with the cover in line. But I just remember it was kind of a game where Reese figured stuff out a little bit. I think Kyron might have had a couple of fumbles, if I remember correctly. I think they might have had a scoop and score. This yeah, Kyron did my fumble. point. Kyron did This just like proves my point. We just don't remember shit about this game, and I think it might be a similar story this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that. I, I, that's what I was gonna say. I think from as far as like what what I think our listeners or that kid, you know, that our peers would would need to know about uh, Georgia Tech is that a they're rebuilding, uh, and the three and seven record is is evident by that. The two players that you need to watch out for are their quarterback, Jeff Sims, and the running back, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is a very, very, very good football player. Um, mm-hmm. He is an NFL-level talent that's, that is that is playing running back for them. Um, but it's not anything that we can't handle. We face both better running backs and better quarterbacks already this year. Um, I think that's kind of the – that's got to be the rundown on what Georgia Tech is, unless, D, you have anything to add there. 
Uh, but I do think from a preview standpoint, I think it's worth kind of doing a reflection on uh, on this senior class and then also, you know, some of the guys who will probably be playing their last games in Notre Dame Stadium. Um, so do you guys have anything to add on Georgia Tech before we jump? They played I mean, this, close. That's kind of what I got. Yeah. They did smack Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Like 20. Yeah. Um, but on, on the senior class, I, I think you have to give it to these guys because these are the guys who came in the fifth years, that is. Like, you know, you think of Heinish, Myron. These are the guys – and the 2018 guys. These are guys that watched the four and eight season, and a lot of them committed – before they saw the transformation of Notre Dame under Brian Kelly, like the V2 of Brian Kelly. They committed to Notre Dame because they believed in, I guess, Kelly was there, Elston was there. Was anyone else on the coaching staff that's still there? Except for maybe some, like, people on the periphery Pullian. of the program. Pullian. Pullian is there. Yeah. Pullian, yeah. I think Pullian might have joined in 2017, though. I think he was yeah. part of the uh, well, he was big of the overhaul. Yeah, because yeah, he was at Nevada for our freshman yeah. year for the yeah. four and eight season. And, you know, they committed to those guys. They committed to the vision that Kelly had. And they're the ones who really brought it to reality. They're going to end their careers, the fifth years, with over 50 wins in Notre Dame uniform. I think for some of them, I think for at least Kurt Heinish, I think he'll have won the most games he's actually been on the field for. Yeah, so he's, he been on, he's been on record. A- yeah, he's been on the field for a crazy amount of games, which is great for him. We owe them a lot. I mean, yeah, they made our football experience a lot better. Um, and we, we, I know we sent this tweet around. This tweet that was going around was like, Brian Kelly saved Notre Dame from being Texas or who else? Exactly. Like, who else is in there? What was what was the list there? Um, it's like Florida, was, Florida State, Miami. Yeah, yeah, Penn Texas. State. Just yeah. these stuck in the mud teams. Nebraska. Back in the mud teams, but this group of players is a huge part of that as well. Yeah. As much as it was Kelly overhauling things and, and, and looking himself in the mirror and making some tough choices, uh, and, and Kelly will be the first person to tell you this as well, like a lot of the credit goes goes to these guys, goes to the players, uh, because the players are kind of what, what makes this go. Um, because, you know, they respond well and accept the leadership and the coaching that, that Kelly and staff bring down on them. Uh, I'm looking. I'm kind of looking at the roster now. It's tough to say exactly who will be considered a senior, given that everybody's got a COVID yeah. year and some kids yeah. are graduates and, and some kids aren't. I think. But as far as who are who are academic seniors on the roster right now, um, you're looking at Braden Lindsey, DJ Brown, Kevin Austin, Joe Wilkins. All all have played significant roles this year. Um, Justin Adamalola as well has been incredible. Uh, Unfortunately for Sebo, he hasn't seen much of the field. Matt Salerno, uh, return return guy extraordinaire. Um, and I think the biggest name probably towards the bottom of the list is, is Jarrett Patterson. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's necessary. I don't know if Jarrett Patterson's necessarily done in Notre Dame uniform. I don't know if a lot of those guys are done. Kevin Austin will be back. Yeah, I think most of those guys, if not all of those guys, will be back. So but I will say yeah. that kudos to Jarrett Patterson because he had a pretty tough assignment this year being the captain and the leader of the offensive line and, um, you know, being patient and, and willing to work with the guys around him. I think he's made this team a lot better, uh, which has been great. As far as guys who I think are probably going to be playing their last games in Notre Dame, you know, in Notre Dame stadium, uh, you'd, I'd, it'd be tough to say that it's not that Kyron Williams won't be done. Uh, you know, is Isaiah Foskey done? I don't know. I, think, I haven't seen I think, him yes. that high. It kind of depends on – I think he'll test and then yeah. – they, I don't know. It'll all depend on his evaluations because he didn't have a great game. He's still not spectacular against the run. He can get after it. He's an athletic freak. But in the NFL, yeah. especially a one-year, an extra year in college for a defensive end can be really beneficial. It can be beneficial yeah. for him because the difference between top 15 money and mid-second oh. round money is a yeah. lot. I agree. I, uh, so if, I think the – you know, I, I I don't even know about Myron. Like, you know, Myron might choose to stay. Drew White might choose to stay. They all have an extra year, so you know, we'll we'll see. I think maybe it'd be best to focus our efforts on Kyron Williams and and, and Kyle Hamilton, um, given that those are probably the two surefire things that that will no longer be uh, walking out of the tunnel uh, after after Saturday. Unfortunately, Kyle probably won't be dressing, but um, 
just kudos to those guys. They, uh, like Ian said, along with the other the other guys that we mentioned earlier, they uh, they really enhanced our football experience for the last few years, um, and that's something that's pretty valuable to all three of us, obviously. Yeah. I think Kyle will be back if we make the playoffs. Other than that, I don't see any way he risks coming back on the field. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't blame him. I just uh, – It's Georgia uh, Tech and Stanford, man. Like, they're yeah, three and it. seven. Yeah. All right, you got a favorite memory for Kyron or Kyle or both uh, in Notre Dame Stadium? Mine, mine for Kyron is, is definitively North Carolina run. And I know it's a recency bias. Um, the Clemson run was also great, but I was the, – the UNC run happened in front of me, right in front of me. So uh, it'd be tough for me to not say the, the North Carolina run. Clemson run comes to mind for me. Um, oh yeah, I know you were in the stadium. UNC was definitely his best run. Um, but starting off the Clemson game and just like that was just seemed like a shift in Notre Dame football when he broke yeah, that off yeah. to start the game. Um, so that that's probably my favorite run. Yeah, I mean those two are by far and away the most memorable, especially games I was there. I mean he had a great game against USC this year which is probably the best performance I've seen from him in person. But, I mean, it was I agree. The Clemson run I have watched probably upwards of 100 times on YouTube, mostly between the hours of 2 and 6 a.m. It's, um, a, it's, a, it's, a it's the D special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I'd have to go with the Clemson run as well. And in terms of Kyle, I mean, we were all so excited from him then to see his first play our senior year be the pick six. Yeah, that's I thought that, Rose that was special. That, yeah. Was that New Mexico State? Is that who that was? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, that was where I was going with Kyle. I think he's – obviously, he's made a lot of really big plays. I also think the, the stop against Navy uh, – That was a big one. Uh, of the fourth and one stop, it, it's, it's probably not – it's not that, – that doesn't really have a huge impact on the game. Either of those plays are majorly impactful uh, because he does so many good – he does so many things away from the ball in the, in the big games. Um but those are the two that kind of jumped to mind. It was the stop against Navy and the, and the pick six against New Mexico State. Uh, I remember being in the in the uh, in the state in the crowd, like with the rest of the students, when he had the pick six, and I was losing my mind. I was so excited that he was at Notre Dame, and I was so excited for him that he'd got that pick. So, um, yeah, damn. All right, we'll miss him. Yeah, we will miss. We him. will miss him. We will miss. All him. right. Should we hit picks? Make yeah, more money. I, I need to. I need to hit picks because I'm really tired of watching Notre Dame hoops play basketball right now. It's a three point game against High Point. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to them in in, uh, in the coming weeks. Um, yeah. All right. Let, let's 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 touch on some football games. Um, all right. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go. Uh, we're actually, so there's we're gonna pick five games. I think we're gonna make the last one our our over under game as well, and then everybody have a lock. Um, just so everybody is aware, I, I messed up. I messed up, didn't post the picks last week, but this is what the records are. D is 31, 26, uh, and a 5 and 4 lock record. Ian is 25 and 32 with a 4 and 5 Ooh. lock record. Ooh. And I had a, actually a great week last week. I was 6 and 1 last week, bringing me above Ooh. 500, 29 and 28, and 6 and 3 in the locks. So uh, doing pretty well all around, fellas. Uh, that's that, it's nothing, nothing to complain about. Um, all right, Notre Dame. So Georgia Tech at Notre Dame in South Bend, expecting it to be cold. Um, it snowed earlier this week in South Bend. Uh, Notre Dame is 17-point favorites. Who do you guys got? It's 17 now? I thought, I thought yeah. it opened at 21. I saw it on six, around seven. There. I got it at 15 and a half. Wow. I, yeah. I'm going to take the Irish. Yeah. I would have thought, got, thought that was around the 20s. Yeah, I'm seeing 17 as well. I'm seeing yeah. 17 and a half. Um, I don't know if that – is what you want to roll with? Let's go. With, let's go friendly with the Irish. Let's go seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cover Dame's back. Notre Dame all the way. Uh, we got more to play for. It's senior day. Place to be rocking. Um, this is this is a this is an easy cover in my mind. <laughs> I I think I was I was very nervous last week uh, for no reason at all. Um, I'm not going to get nervous this week. I, I hope that I'm watching the game with D and the rest of the New York crew and drinking a few beers and having a really good time. And this will be a pretty stress-free, uh, stress-free Saturday for us, um, which is, which, which should be good. Um, so I'll take the Irish in a big one. Um, I'm going to say 
Ooh, damn, son. I'll go 35-6. We still don't have a touchdown. That'd be sweet. If we went three games without a touchdown, that'd be awesome. I'm going to go 35-10. All right. Ian, Ian, give him a little more respect. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good for you. What do you think, five safeties? Because yep. we're not going to give up a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, yeah, it's not going to be – it's going to be regular for sure. All right. Um, next game is the Fox Big Noon kickoff. Uh, Michigan State travels to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are 19-point home favorites. Uh, that line was a bit bigger than I thought it was going to be, which is making me think a little harder than I should be about it. But who do you guys like? So I saw a stat of all Power 5 teams, you know, Kansas is included, Washington State. I don't even think Washington State's that bad, but you know, your bottom of the barrel teams, Duke, Stanford. Guess which one of them has given up the most first downs this year? Is it Michigan State? It's Michigan State. And that yeah. doesn't bode well against that Ohio State offense. Yeah. I I think the Buckeyes just throttle them. Like yeah. I mean, they, they know that this has just been classic. Like we've seen it the last few years. Those receivers, they're back fully healthy. Like it's just scary, honestly. Their receiving core. And Travion Henderson, their skill talent just in general on offense. Jeremy Ruckert's probably a top five ten end in college football. I mean, they're just Long going to put points. Yeah. Ruckert's a Long Island guy. Yep. So, yeah, that's, I think Ohio State wins. Yeah, that's, that's a big, big number um, for a committee – Committee top seven team. Um, Buckeyes roll. I'm still. I'm still saying the Buckeyes roll. I'm with. I'm with D here. Um, Michigan State just doesn't have the firepower to hang with them. They they did a good job rebounding after a loss to Purdue, but we saw what Ohio State just did to Purdue. Um, game day come into the shoe. Give me the Buckeyes to roll. Also, CJ Stroud Heisman. Yep, I'm on CJ Stroud Heisman as well. Got him a nice little price. Would love to see that pad out. Um, D, the thing that you mentioned about the first downs is is really really critical, um, and it's something that Tom Fernelli has been touching on on Cover Three podcast, um, and, and Bud Elliott as well. And that Michigan State has been playing red zone roulette. Um, did it against Maryland last week. Uh, did it against Michigan, and they've been winning. Um, I think this Ohio State team is good enough to put an end to that. Red zone roulette. I, they're gonna if if they get inside the, the forty, it's gonna be a lot of points. And obviously, Michigan State has been getting up a lot of touchdowns, playing almost too much, too much of uh, Ben. Don't break uh, this week. I think they break, unfortunately for them, and uh, that campaign maybe maybe all but maybe all but done, um, which is which is sad for them. But that's okay. Uh, yeah, Buckeyes roll. Um, all right. So we're going to pick the Bama game here, but I threw it out. I'd rather pick this game. Uh, it's a much tighter spread. Uh, very, very intriguing here. Wake Forest going to Clemson. Clemson unranked. Uh, Wake Forest under, technically undefeated in the ACC. Uh, Clemson is a four-point favorite at home. What do you guys like in this one? I would I mean, love – I would love – sorry, D. I would love for the Deeks to win. Uh, Clemson's just a better team. They're just a better team, and they, they'll get some stops. Uh, I think Clemson covers, unfortunately. Clemson has not made this board since week one. Just, yeah, just, and like, wow. we, we, forgot it. we forgot about them. And, like, they're kind of keeping back in the row. I have not used this logo since week one. So Clemson is banged up. They have a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball, skill position, non-skill position. I honestly think if Wake Forest gets to 28, I don't know if Clemson can keep up. Like, can they score 28 in regulation? They haven't – they already haven't done it against some really bad defenses. Like, I guess UConn, they finally got there. But, like, I don't know. Wake Forest might be the best team on offense they've played all year. So – We'll see. I know Georgia probably has more talent. Pitt's also up there, but they lost to both of those teams. Now they're even more banged up. You know, their fans aren't locked into it. I don't think this is going to be a crazy atmosphere in Death Valley or anything. So I'll go with Wake. Maybe a little money on Sprinkle. 
Ah, uh, you got me, dude. You got me. I'll do this for my sister. Go, go, Deeks. Go back. <laughs> Ian, you're flipping. So, I mean, I'm eight picks behind you guys. I'm picking with my heart, not my head. Let's go, Deeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the Demon Deacons too. Uh, this is a really interesting matchup here between you know, the Wake Forest offense and this Clemson defense, which, albeit banged up, is still really, really solid uh, from the you know, on the defensive front. Um, I think the D is right. Uh, when you frame it as if, if Wake Forest gets to 28, they win this game, I think he couldn't have been more right there. Uh, I don't think that Clemson has the offensive firepower uh, to get there. I think that offensive line uh, is, is really bad. Uh, like ours struggled, theirs, theirs is bad, uh, which means that their run game won't be able to get going. Uh, and, and I think that Wake Forest – you know, shows that they can they can score with just about anybody, and I think they'll do it again this week. So I will take the Demon Deacons as well, minus the four. Um, next one, uh, big one in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, SMU travels to Cincinnati, goes to Nippert. Uh, Cincinnati is 11.5-point favorites at home. Uh, who do you guys like in this one? I think Cincinnati will do everything in their power. They won't pull anything like Notre Dame did last week and like run the clock out the minute le- half left or whatever. Yeah, I don't think SMU's quite that good. And you know, given their offense is you know very predicated on the past, Cincinnati has very good DBs. You know, one of the probably best three or four groups in the country at that position. I think they can shut them down a little easier, and I think that they win this by like. 14 just because they know they need to run up the score for the style points. Like people, they've already heard the talking heads say whatever they have to say. So I think if Cincinnati has the chance, they will score. This won't be a game where you see someone taking a knee inside the five. I've been on that side for a while now. I think it was one of my locks too, that like, Oh, Luke Fickle and them know how to know how to cover at this point because they need to cover and they haven't. Um, so I want to be on the other side, but I also feel like as soon as I switch, that's going to be the time that they do cover. So I'm going to go reverse psychology here and see that they do cover 14. Did they have to play SMU twice? Is that still lined up or who's, or has SMU lost? I believe Houston has the inside track. So, he said, so, so again, so that was going to be the thought that they're not going to try to show, they're going to try to not show their whole playbook, but if that's not the case, they're just going to give SMU a beat down, I think. Um, I am going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with SMU. Um, I think that between their quarterback now, uh, Tanner Mordecai, um, and, uh, and their head coach, who's their head coach again? He's in, he's, his name's been tossed around for all, for the, for the TCU job. Um, I just keep thinking it's June Jones is still there. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, Sonny Dykes, though. Sonny Dykes, Sonny, oh, Sonny yeah. Dykes, and Tanner Mordecai. Um, I, I don't think they're going to win this game, uh, but I do think that Cincinnati has struggled uh, to cover to cover in, in some of these spots. Uh, I think if it was south of ten, I'd probably be taking Cincinnati. But uh, I think I think this is one you know where where Cincinnati kind of puts this out of reach in the fourth quarter. Um, and and, and uh, you know this this is also going to be another spot where they're just trading scores. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully SMU has the speed to beat them. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's, it sucks picking against Sauce Gardner though. Uh, that dude has not let up more than twenty yards in a game in, in like forever. <laughs> so I'm going to take SMU. I think this is twofold. I think I, I'm going to be rooting for SMU, and I would love to pick up a game on D here if I if I can. Um, all right, uh, we'll bake this one the over under game as well. So everybody, give me. Uh, I'll. I'll I'll get the total as well. Uh, everybody can give me their pick first. But uh, Oregon goes to Salt Lake City to play Utah. Utah, three-point favorites at home. Uh, pretty big one for the Pac-12 here. Uh, we've been we've been circling this one for, for quite a bit now. Uh, this game's at 7.30 Eastern, D, so we'll probably get to watch this one over dinner yeah. uh, if, we're, if we're coherent enough to, to have dinner. Uh, but total <laughs> total in this game is 59. Uh, what do you guys think? So are we picking spread and over under? Yeah. Yep. Everything, everything tells me to pick Utah. So I'm gonna go with Oregon and the under. That's that's <laughs> all I have to say about this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanna pick Oregon and the under as well, but I've been 
just following D up with everything. Um, Oregon it just seems to like continuously get it done. Unconvincingly though. Um Tavon Thibodeau has made big plays and needs to make big plays, and the defense has stepped up. So I'm gonna go with the under, but I think Utah gets the win. So they cover and that's a money line sprinkle. The Pac twelve needs it, and a big part of me picking Utah is the Pac twelve just doing everything they can to screw themselves over. And that's why Utah wins. Yep. I think that uh, oh man, I re- I'm in the same boat as D was here where I really D uh Ian, you said over or under? Under. Under. Um under. So I- I'm in the same spot as D here where I really want to take Utah. Um and my thing I'm actually gonna take Utah for the reason that these two teams are gonna play twice in three weeks. Right here, they're gonna play now and then they'll play again. Um they'll play again for the Pac twelve championship. Um I think that this, they split. They're gonna they're gonna end up splitting this, and I think Utah is gonna win this one, and then Oregon will get the next one, um, and that way both you know they will have done this one on one. But I think Utah needs the home field advantage to get it done. Uh, night game in Salt Lake City with the beautiful black backdrop there. Uh, I definitely think that that Utah uh, Utah will get the win here. As far as I'm gonna go with over in that uh, for the reason that I, I think if if Utah is gonna win this football game. That's going to prevent Oregon from kind of bleeding the clock and running the ball with uh, with die, which they have been as of late. So uh, I think that's why I'll take the over. So I'll take Utah on the over in that one. Um, all right, who's got a lock for me? Maybe we got something they really like this week. I don't have anything I love. You know, I, yeah, I, I was struggling with that Tech, as well. BC under. I knew that. I knew that one. That one just <laughs> popped off the page to me. One thing that pops off the page to me, actually, not really, is that. There's one thing about the Big 12 Conference is that they really, over the last couple of years, have done everything possible to harm themselves in terms of getting <laughs> teams highly ranked and New Year Six and into the playoff. Oklahoma State goes on the road at night in Lubbock against a Texas Tech team that's six and four. They're not terrible. Can I tell you that I've watched like a second of Texas Tech football this year? The answer is no. But weird things happen in the Big 12. Weird things happen at night in Lubbock. The last half for Oklahoma State, I think the Red Raiders can get inside. They just beat Iowa State. So, shit, Iowa State beat Oklahoma State. Transitive property. Go Red Raiders. So, do you got Oklahoma State at Texas Tech? Is that what it is? Yep. Texas Tech plus 10.5. Plus 10.5. I'm glad you got got the 10.5. because the, that, are you that, seeing that, different? No, no, no. I, I, I didn't look at. I didn't actually didn't look at that one too close. But that that hook could be important here for you. Yeah, Ian. A little bit more like off the grid here. A line that sticks out to me. We got it's there's some sort of SEC cupcake weeks. I kind of want to stay away from those. I'm gonna go with UMass at Army. You're taking Army UMass. To, I'm taking Army. Oh. I'm taking Army. Okay. I would. Yeah. I'm taking well, Army would... to roll minus thirty six and a half at home. What are your thoughts, love? I love that. It was. I was. It was on my. I have a short list of a few that I was like. You said thirty six and a half. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I was on my short list of of games I was looking at. Uh, I actually oh. really like the over in that one too, uh, as well. Uh, but uh, my, you know, the. It was Maishi Stadium. Was I forget how to pronounce it, but uh, that game's at home for Army. I think they're going to blow the doors off uh, off UMass. So it's mm-hmm. picked off. Um, there's a few games I was looking at. Phil uh, Phil the Thrill at home against Florida State uh, was what was on my radar. Still might pick that one. I think Virginia West Virginia hosting Texas as a as as a two and a half point favorite is a, is an intriguing one. Um, wouldn't be shocked if that one went under either. Um, and then I think the one that I, I think the one I'm going to go with here, which which might be a bit silly, but I think I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, East Carolina on the road in uh, in Annapolis. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to fade the Service Academy here, which is pretty not Ooh. cool with me. But I'm, I think I'm going to take the Pirates. I think this ECU team is actually pretty good. Um, or I'm sorry, ECU team is is pretty good. They should be uh, they should be seven and three. Because they should have beat South Carolina last time I locked them up, but um, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take East Carolina on the road uh, in Annapolis. I think this Navy team is is pretty bad, uh, struggling to score touchdowns uh, uh, 
at, you know, at all, obviously, uh, given what they just did in South Bend. So I'll take ECU. But I like it. Fair enough. Not once again, not an elite slate. No, I guess you do have the top ten matchup, but it's a game with a nineteen point spread. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah how do you I feel think, there? I think this week. I think this week. Enjoy, enjoy that. Enjoy that Ohio State game in Michigan State for the, for the first few minutes of it. I think there are some other good games in the noon slate, like that Wake Forest Clemson games in the noon slate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, don't necessarily just stick to the rank first rank matchups this week. Oh, Iowa State and Oklahoma play in the noon slate, uh, so look at that. Uh, and then from three thirty perspective, you know, we played two thirty, so I think we'll have some eyes on that. But SMU and Cincinnati's at three thirty. Um, Nebraska and Wisconsin could be a good game. Virginia and Pitt could be, you know, that's also 3.30. And then I think I'm, I'm definitely most looking forward to, to the nightcap here. I think the 7.30 game is, is a really, really good game. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to that one. I mean, Pitt could put up well, – I think that I was considering the total in that game. It's like 67. I mean, Pitt could put up 67 themselves. Yeah. BYU did against yeah. UPA. Like, yeah. shit. Yeah. If Brennan Armstrong's yeah. back, I think that number goes way up. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing I want to touch on next week, which we don't have to do table, we'll definitely do it next week, but I want to look at a playoff path. And then I want to do, I want to do our, our we're going to come back to that debate again. I think we'll have a little more clarity as to where, where we might land, but we got to do another debate as to whether or not we want to be New Year's six bound or whether we want to be playoff bound. Yep. Um, and I think yep. you know, we'll, we'll, t- we'll touch on that next week, but a preview of, of what's to come next week. Um, all right, D. I will see you Saturday morning. Uh, looking forward to Sounds it. Sounds great. A lot. I uh, should Have be good fun, weekend. Have will fun. do. Um, all right, fellas, go Irish. Yeah, Irish. We'll uh, see you. See you this weekend. We'll talk next week. Good luck. See ya. See ya.